Well, once again, Jim Leach filling in for Greg Bishop this morning, and hardly a day goes by when we are not hearing about another mass shooting someplace or a shooting that seems to spring out of the most innocuous encounters, like somebody accidentally knocking on the wrong door, or just the random gunfire that seems to be a fairly regular feature of life here in Springfield. And if it had seemed to you like this is at a level we've never encountered before, you may well be right. Magic Wade is an associate professor of political science at the University of Illinois Springfield. She has looked at this question of gun violence, uh, firearm fatalities in cities large and small, and has found that, yes, indeed, the rate is surpassing what we thought of as the historical highs for this type of gun violence back in the 1990s. She joins us live this morning to talk about the findings of her research. Professor, thanks for taking the time. Great to have you here. Thank you. Uh, let's start from the beginning. What made you decide to look into this? What prompted this research? Sure. So I'm a professor of political science that focuses on urban politics and state politics. And for the past decade since, I mean, actually the past two decades, the story about urban violence has been one of decline. So cities were becoming the safest they've ever been since that peak violence during the late 1990s. And so, you know, uh, 2014 was the actually the most safe or peaceful year on record nationally and in many large and small U.S. cities. So, you know, the homicide rate um, was just dramatically lower uh, and the gun violence rate in particular. So I, I distinguish between firearm homicides, so I'll talk about the firearm homicide rate a lot. And it was 4.0 per 100,000, which by American standards is very low in 2014. But by about 2017, I noticed that it was starting to tick up in the news coverage from a lot of larger cities. And then I just experienced it living in Springfield and then moving to Champaign in 2017 and noticing that there was a lot of firearm violence and so I decided to start collecting data on this from as many cities as I could get my hands on. And I've collected data from over 1,300 cities of uh, populations ranging from 5,000 to over a million. And so what has your research told you? Uh, your, your gut is telling you uh, these numbers are on the rise. We're hearing the reports every day in the news. What is the data actually showing to quantify this level of gun violence and firearm homicides in recent years? So while it is true that some of the largest U.S. cities have still continued to have much lower rates of gun violence than their peak during the 90s, so, you know, even the rate in Chicago, New York, L.A., they still haven't ticked back up to those really high rates, but all these small and mid-sized cities are experiencing unprecedented levels of gun violence, and it's, like you said, it's becoming this regular occurrence in places where they never experienced it before. And so when we talk about the national homicide rate or the national amount of gun violence, or you know, people make these comparisons to the 90s and think about like, well, in New York, there was over 2,000 murders there um, at the peak of, of violence. And now there's like 600 and that's a lot less for a huge city. But in a city like Champaign, Illinois, where I live, the, you know, between just uh, 2015 and 2021, the amount of increase in homicides is just stark. So in Champaign, there were although seven people getting killed by a gun in 2015 is pretty high, but there were 16 in 2021. 16 homicides with a gun in 2021 in Champaign, Illinois, which is a tiny city. And so, you know, Springfield, 
has also experienced um, actually pretty stable rates of gun homicides since the 20-teens. The um, and Springfield has always kind of had quite a amount of gun violence. So its rate's actually pretty stable compared to a lot of other cities in Illinois where it's, it's high, but it's not as high as, as some of the other places. You mentioned 2014 as a low watermark, and then uh, we start to see these spikes. Uh, in your research, you point to 2019 as a year where you really start to see this rate accelerating. Is there something in the, the national culture or in laws or regulations that, that sort of uh, correlates to that? Why, why are we seeing that, that spike in that time frame? That is, a, that is the question. So, you know, people are going to be studying this for years to come. Um, one of the things, you know, there will be talking about uh, changes in policing, uh, changes in uh, community instability. And so, you know, what makes communities more or less vulnerable to gun violence is the perennial question. And we know that it isn't an increase in poverty rates, for instance. Poverty has been going down. Um, we know that, you know, it's not necessarily... Um, I mean, distrust between law enforcement and communities can be something that I think is a really important thing to think about. So we have, I mean, you think about the incidence of really high publicized uh, uh, cases of police violence against unarmed people. And so as there's community distrust, one of the results of this is that police have a harder time solving homicides. And so if the community won't talk to you after someone's been murdered and the police can't solve a homicide, then you have somebody running around who, who has killed before and might kill again and, and likely will. And so, you know, those are some of the things um, that I think this data can really help us answer. So I'm also working on a whole bunch of projects with this data because it's huge, but looking at the characteristics of the communities that have been the most susceptible to gun violence over time. And so, you know, what is it about them? Because this is a really broad trend, but there are plenty of, of cities that, that did not experience this. But it's really important to know that this happened in almost every state. This was not just happening in, in red states that have really lax gun laws, and it wasn't just happening in blue cities, you know, that have, you know, more progressive leadership or progressive prosecutors. This is very widespread. We're talking with Magic Wade, Associate Professor of Political Science at the University of Illinois Springfield, about her research into gun violence and firearm fatalities in communities large and small. And I find it, you know, really fascinating. You noted here that uh, while we've seen relatively uh, stable numbers in the largest cities, and Chicago is often held up as this example of uh, sort of a Beirut in the U.S., where it's just a nonstop a siege of violence which isn't really an accurate depiction, uh, but in fact, it is uh, smaller cities and cities the size of Springfield where we've really noticed uh, the uptick here. Is there something unique about those communities, the, the makeup, the size? Is it the, the lack of uh, uh, sizable police forces? Can, do, you, do you glean any sense as to what's happening in those smaller communities that have made them more susceptible to this phenomenon? Yeah, that's a great. Well, the ease of access to obtaining a firearm, especially for teenagers, is something that is constantly cited by people from both law enforcement and these nonprofit organizations that go into the community to try to, to you know, prevent violence. It's very easy to get your hand on an uh, hands on an old firearm. I mean, people, you know, these are circulating, and so um, I think that that's. I mean, we're seeing that it's just becoming. Um, really, really easy for like teenagers and young people and people that actually aren't even oftentimes allowed to have a gun uh, legally are, are able to, to obtain one. 
Um, and that's something that exists regardless of which state you're in. And so, I mean, because, you know, firearms travel through what is what scholars refer to as this iron pipeline. And so it doesn't really matter if your state has really strict gun laws. I mean, you can get a firearm um, through through lots of other means. Um, and so that I think that's one thing, you know, we can't deny that. But um, the other thing about smaller cities, and I will say this, and I'll give Champaign a lot of credit. Small cities, if they acknowledge that the problem is real, which sometimes there's a little bit of denial about it because it's very politically touchy, but if they acknowledge the problem is real and they can work with both the law enforcement, the, the elected officials, the, the community organizations, the schools, and get a handle on it and increase that homicide clearance rate, they can, they can actually like turn the tide and champagne has done so there have been uh, just a handful and i mean it's horrible to say this but like there have been a handful of homicides this year in champagne urbana there's maybe been one or two but they had had you know over a dozen a couple of years before that and so although it's still you know tragic they've actually managed to really increase the number of uh the, the clearance rate and so it's like 80 percent so if you're uh if you kill someone in champagne you're likely to get caught and you're likely to get prosecuted. Whereas in these huge cities, the homicide clearance rate is really low in most of them. I mean, 30%, 40%, you know, it's even lower if the victim is a person of color. And so I think small cities, although they're very susceptible to gun violence, um, if they have the resources, which, you know, that's a big if, I think they can get an easier handle on it. And that's why these cities like, you know, Baltimore or Philadelphia, I mean, Philadelphia has had the highest, continuing to have higher and higher homicide rates. So they actually are way higher than their 90s peak. And just imagine, I mean, there's, you know, a huge uh, number of backlog of cases of homicides. And so how do you get a handle on that? And so, you know, I think it's, it's uh, small cities have a lot that they um, hopefully can, can come back from. And I, you know, I, I, I think that's, what we'll see. If you can, can you uh, put Springfield a little bit more into the context of your sure. research here? You, you talked about uh, that we've had you know relatively stable rates, but we just come through a mayoral election where public safety wound up being a big issue here, and a lot of people trying to paint Springfield as a, a very dangerous city. Are, are we worse than average? Are we kind of run of the mill? What, what does your research tell you? Sure, absolutely. So Springfield's definitely uh, not the worst in Illinois. Um, so what I would imagine, so homicides are one thing, but there's a lot of just shootings that result in non-fatal injuries. And so that's another part of the data that I've collected. And the, the non-fatal injury rate in Springfield is relatively high. But just comparing the, the average homicide rate with a gun uh, for 2020 and 2021 in Springfield, and I don't have the 2022 data collected yet, we've got about 10, uh, 10 per 100,000 in Springfield as that average rate. By comparison, Decatur, Illinois, 15 per 100,000. Champaign, 15 per 100,000. Chicago, 15 per 100,000. So it's actually lower than those, but 10 per 100,000 is still really high. So if you think about like the average in, in uh, like a European city, we're talking about one per 100,000 people. And, you know, and it's not with a firearm either. So just the average homicide rate. And so that's high. 10 per, 10 per 100,000, but it's actually pretty stable. But I do think that the perception uh, is, is something that's really important. So, you know, we can, people want to say like, oh, well, you know, it was more violent back during this time, or it's always been violent, or it's just this neighborhood, or it's just that neighborhood. But in a small city like Springfield, when someone gets shot, especially when it's a teenager, that affects everybody in the community. 
you know, regardless of whether it happened on your block or across town, you have kids that go to school with this person. You have, uh, you know, you might work with this person's parents. And so it's, it's really impactful for the whole community. And I actually think smaller cities feel it more acutely because in a big city like Chicago, there may be a few blocks that, you know, the people that live nearby really feel it. But everybody else is just living their life. They're going about their day. They don't know who was a victim. But in a small city like Springfield, people know who the victims are. And it's really upsetting. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but we look forward to hearing more about your research and the directions that this study will take you in the future to try to get some more answers to how we uh, correct some of these problems.